0: Let's, uh, let's dive into the Word of God. Let's pray. Father God, you know as we share in the Word this morning, uh, we pray for your presence, we pray for your Holy Spirit, Lord Father, to share the message that you have to the many hearts here in this room, that they leave here hoping again, living again, with their eyes always set, on Jesus the Lamb, and we pray this in your name Jesus Christ. Amen. The family of God. What about the family of God? What is a family? What makes a family? You know, there's a, a short um there's a short definition found, you can find this on Google, um, how they explain what a meaning of a family is, and it says, a family. Is a group of persons. Oh, I've got the clicker. There we go. There. So a family is a group of persons united by the ties of marriage, blood, or adoption, constituting a single household and interacting with each other in their respective social positions. Usually those of our spouses, parents, children, and siblings. Okay? That's just a a definition thrown out to you by Google. Let's go to our next one. And we're looking at families, particularly here in Australia. Um, Oh. Sorry, guys. I'm looking at my screen thinking it's changing, but I should be changing it here too. Okay, so... In June 2022, there were 7.3 million families an increase of 1 million. That's 15.3% since June 2012. Now, of these, 6.2 million, which is 84%, were couple families. 1.0 million, which is 14.2%, were one-parent families. I'll just pause there for a moment. Because we know, when we read scripture, families, husband and wife, right? Mother and father. Now, we know being parents and being in a relationship, it already has its own responsibilities now to do it alone. That's one million single parents out there in our country. Right, one million, and then to try and raise up kids on your own, there are some super mums and super dads out there that are doing a great job, but even in their great jobs, there are still cracks that our kids are falling through. right There are still cracks that our kids are falling through, and there he says um." we one-parent families, and with 79.9 of these being mothers or single mothers, right? That's just a quick statistic from you. Uh, there you can find that on the Australian... I'll give you the website if you're after it. Uh, next one. So, families are facing changes to work and the economy... And the ageing of the population, cost of living increases. So especially housing and energy and the arguably higher expectations of quality of life. These are just an example of the, the, the challenges our families are facing right now. Not 10 years ago, not 20 years ago, right now. Families. And the reason why I'm bringing to you these statistics is because the enemy is attacking our families. He's not attacking the church. In the medieval times, they, 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 they martyred Christians. They attacked the church. But the devil, we have to understand, is cunning. He's not going to come with a sword and shield and knock on our door and say, hey, renounce because Christians used to be called atheists did you know that we were the first atheists <laughs> because we didn't follow the roman gods so the romans would call us atheists right and so there is an attack on families there is an attack on families next slide this is just four examples, sorry not five, it should be four there. It says here are some of the most common challenges of family life today. Effective discipline. Deciding how to discipline a child can be one of the hardest parts of being a parent. I know marriages that have broken up not because of financial issues but because they didn't, couldn't agree on a way to parent a child or their children. There are some compromises in some relationships. We have to, and I know I'm I'm stubborn. I praise God for Marilyn. I praise God for a wife like that that can deal with my stubbornness sometimes. Because sometimes I think it's all this way, all my way. But thank God, He gave me a strong woman to show me that there are other ways. There are other ways. Communication, again, that's that's another thing that could save us in our parenting. Communication was my least, right? The fact that I stand here before you preaching and speaking the word of God, that's a God-ordained thing. But when I used to stand up in front of my church, I couldn't string a sentence, a proper sentence together. Couldn't do it. So... To try and do that privately, privately with other relationships, I still couldn't do it then. I had, I almost had a translator. I had a best friend, and a cousin that I grew up with. That when I spoke to people, I would say something, and they, you could tell they're like, hmm? and my cousin would jump in and go, "Oh, this is what he's saying." Da 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 da. And I like, "Oh," and then he'd look back at me like, "Oh, that, that's not what came out of your mouth." <laughs> Communication is very important for families to thrive. But that's one of the challenges. Divorce adjustment and blended families. Now, I understand families break apart, marriages break apart, but I have a friend that I also have to minister to that's gone through this divorce. Not easy. Not easy. And I know that sometimes these are topics that we don't want to talk about, but how else do we have uncomfortable conversations? We have them. Because if we leave it to fester in the in the cabinet or wherever it, we, we, we leave it to fester, it'll grow and become something that shouldn't be. So, and balancing work and school and family life. These are just four of the challenges that our family on a day-to-day basis face here in Australia, not overseas, here in our very own backyard. Now, everyone can see that graph clearly? Okay, we're going to go through a little something before we get into the Word. Now, right there you see before you is a faith journey dynamics. Now, the red or the blue first is God. The red is self, and the yellow line represents others. All right, and then at the bottom there, does this thing have a light, um, Kip, does it have a light? No. It's okay. It's okay. We'll figure it out another time. Um, So at the bottom there, you can see commercial, legal, and relational, right? These are the three categories we're going to quickly look at, because... Each category focuses on something a bit different. Now, I'm not saying those other category categories are irrelevant. They just they're limited. What did I say? They're limited. So in the commercial, in the commercial category, you have a look there uh, in those three subheadings to the commercial, it has servitude and slave. Servitude can sometimes produce ignorance you know oh i i did this so i have rights to this right or sometimes it can produce rebellious right the i'm not saying that commercial is is wrong but it is limited in the way we see the bible so what do i mean by commercial it's a reward that when we believe in Jesus, or that when we do certain things right, we are rewarded, right? We're not in the prosperity gospel, that when we do something, we are given it. Because sometimes what we're given by God is different. It may not be aligned with what we want. It may not be aligned with with our needs, but it's different. The next one there is a covenant or a debtor. So this is like, I'm so in debt, Lord. You imagine a relationship that you're so in debt to, that you always got to give your time, always got to feel like you're obligated to do something. And if you don't do something, you, you feel bad for not holding your end of the bargain. Right? Yes, God, Jesus came to pay your debt. That's right. But when he paid the debt, the consequences were not for us to, or the repercussions of that were not for us to feel like, oh Lord, I didn't do enough. I didn't do enough to make up for what you've done for me in my life. Lord, I didn't, I'm sorry that I didn't turn up to church and I know you've always turned up for me in my life and oh, I'm sorry I didn't open the word this morning. That's not why Jesus paid the debt. Like I said, there are certain things or certain ways that we see the Bible that limits the way we see God, limits the way we see Jesus, and limits our faith journey. The next one, we'll we'll go over to the legal, because I don't want to spend too much time here. The legal system. I, I used to be very much a part of before coming to study in ministry theology, I used to bash people with the Bible, not literally, but used to hover our doctrines over their heads if they said something wrong. Even pastors, when I, I remember a pastor at the youth tent, he would preach and say something, and me in my ignorance would hit him up after the, the service, say, you said this wrong, this is what the Bible says we are to do. And I was like, "What? I think I was 18 or 17, you imagine that telling a 50-year-old preacher like you're wrong, mate. This is this this is, you're preaching wrong. It's heresy. Because I was very much a part of the legal system. What happened there? I was very much a part of this legal system that if you do right, if you if you keep all the commandments, if you, you know, follow all the 28 fundamentals, if you're doing all these things right, then you're good. I think I almost reached heaven at that, that, that time in my life. But um, thank God I didn't. I still had a lot to learn. But the thing about the kingdom and this and, and the subject and the you know the trial and the defendant, this is a court system. It, it's a legal system. Now God's laws are perfect, right? But they're not what saves us. You imagine to having to always to try to do right. How much anxiety that causes us. What if, I, what if I'm out of line with God's law? What if I'm not right with him, that I have to be right? Right? causes anxiety. Then you imagine the expectation being so high that when you do break a law, you're now back under the law. This is why Paul, I know we Paul talks about the law, but he doesn't say that, The power and the grace of salvation comes from the law. He says the law is perfect. It has its place. It shows us that we are doing wrong. It shows us that these are God's values. This is the very characteristics of his kingdom, right? But these aren't the things that save us because without the law, we don't know we're sinning. We don't know we need saving. But it's limited, in our faith journey, if this is the path we continue to walk. Because then we begin to look on others who aren't doing what we're doing. We begin to cast judgment on others who aren't aren't doing the same things we do. So when they're worshipping on Sunday, or when they're eating certain meats, whatever they're doing, because it doesn't align with our legal system, it limits our faith journey. Because everything is about ticking the box. So I'm not saying we don't need it because God's law is perfect. That's what the Bible teaches. But it limits us if that's our faith journey. And I know some of you are probably reflecting over some of these things because I've been all three and the one I will always align with is the one we're going to talk about next, relational. The family of God. And then over here is, you can see the where the focus shifts. So as we were talking about the different ideas, there in commercial, it's all about self. It's all about me, 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 right? And others and God comes last. Then when you move over to the legal system, God is like at the top right god 's at the top and others first, but self comes la- like self sort of deteriorates here, right but then when you come to relational it 's no longer about self it 's about God and others now i 'm not saying that do away with yourself that 's not what i 'm talking about here because self your your health and your self care are very important in a day and age that is so busy that is so consumerist and, and if you aren't caring for yourself you will burn out so that's not the self I'm talking about I'm talking about the focus because when the focus is just on Roger right if I'm if I'm all about just Roger then that leaves that excludes everyone else that excludes even god it just cares for my needs cares for what i want Don't worry about anyone else. Right? But when our focus is here on the relational side where God is God wants us to be, where where Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, that therefore there is now no condemnation for those who," who believe in Jesus. Right? Who are now in the family of Jesus. Not a kingdom, but a family. Right? A family. That no longer... You can make mistakes in a family, right? Now, my daughter I just showed you, she could probably make no mistake in my eyes, right? So imagine how much more God thinks of us that if I as a human father could think of that way of my daughter, imagine how much God thinks of us. Because... Making mistakes in the family. Now, I'm not talking about, I'm just going to purposely make mistakes in the family. I'm talking about the mistakes that we genuinely make in the family. God, the Father, will get alongside you and say, hey, that's okay, get back up, we'll try again. He's not the Father that's going to pull out the belt, say, oh, come on here, now I'm going to teach you a lesson. He's not that Father. And I praise God he's not that Father. He's a father that when you make mistakes or when you're still trying to learn learn how to walk, he's there right beside you. That's what it looks like to be in a family of God. The pressures of life, when they swarm us, God's there to, to, to comfort us. God's there to help us through it. The reason why I didn't explain all the problems away when we come into God, because not, that's not reality. The reality is that when we love God and we're in a family of God, we still face trials. We still go through struggles. But he never leaves us nor forsakes us because he's our father. Tell to the person behind you and tell him, hey, he's talking to you. that's just a quick overview of faith journey dynamics of where you are and and, hey it's okay if you're in the legal system that's okay but you also need to critique how am i limited in this space how am i limiting my faith and the faith of others if you're in the commercial that's okay don't beat yourself up if you're in those spaces i've been there it's a journey. It's a, it's, it's, we come in seasons. We grow. We learn. We make mistakes. It's okay. It's okay because God still sits on the throne. Right? So Luke 15, and we're not going to go into the verses here, but I want you to understand the story here. In Luke 15, verses 11 to 31, I call it the lost sons. I didn't call it lost son. Because we always focus on the one that squanders the money and leaves home, and both sons are lost. One's lost at home, the other one's lost outside. This is why we get the picture of the lost coin where the woman cleans her house to try and find the coin, because the coin is lost in, out, inside the house. The sheep that wanders off, lost outside the house. Both are lost people can still turn up to church week in week out and still be lost and the reason why we don't focus on the lost is because there's a woman that cleans to find the coin represents god there's a shepherd that leaves the 99 to go and find that one sheep it represents god and then here in this story you have a father who has two sons One remains at home, and the other asks for his um, inheritance. Now, your inheritance you only get when your father passes away. In this story, the father hasn't passed away. Which meant to say, Look, Dad, give me your inheritance, you're dead to me. I want my half now. You're, You're dead to me. I don't want you in my life. That's basically the only way you get an inheritance. But the grace... And the love of the father says, you know what, you've made your choice. I'll give, you, I'll give you half of the inheritance. And he gets it. And he goes into a town and he squanders it. He spends it on people who he thought were his friends, buys them lunch, buys them drinks, whatever it is. He spends his money thinking that this is the way he's going to gain connection with others. Right? And he quickly realizes that when he has nothing... His friends leave, his so-called friends leave. The support of the community that he lived in wasn't there to the point where he's now eating with the pigs. Now, here's the mentality we have. This is what I'm talking about, the, the legal system, right? This, this kid here was probably in the commercial system and then the, the other son, you can see he's very legal, right? Right? Hey, that brother of mine, he squandered his his inheritance. He was commercial. He thought everything was owed to him and that he deserved everything that came to him. But I'm over here keeping all these things. Why is he gonna get my half? Because to give him another inheritance or to kill the fattened calf, that was now t- dipping into his inheritance, right? So he's upset. But here's the mentality of the youngest son. He says, you know what? My, my servants in my father's household, they eat better. I'm going to go back home and be a servant and be like them. That's our mindset, right? How does the father think? We, we've all read the story. He says that as he's about halfway off in the distance... The father sees him. Now the son's coming with the mentality I'm coming as a servant. God, I don't belong to be his son. I, I don't I, I don't um oh, what's the word? I don't deserve to be his son, right? I don't deserve to be his son. I'm better off as a servant. But the father sees his son, runs to his son. Now they didn't have pants like we do or shorts so they had gowns now if a father was to run to his son he would have to lift the, the gown up now a father wouldn't do that in any Jewish culture because it was shameful for a father to lift their gown and run what does that say about our saviour what does that say about our Jesus that he's willing to face the shame of the cross to gain us back into the family, and so I imagine this kid would have been walking around going, "Man, I've got a plan. This is what I'm going to say to the father. You know, I'm sorry, father. I, I, I squandered all your inheritance, but can I be a servant?" And I remember, and I have this feeling that he would have approached the father and went to say what he had rehearsed in his head, and the father cut him off and says. To the older brother, hey, and to the servants, go and kill the fattened calf. Why? Because my son who was dead is now alive. He didn't say, oh, my son who's come home and says he wants to be a servant, yeah, yeah, come, come be a servant. He didn't celebrate for that reason. He celebrated because his son was dead and is now alive. The father's love never once put his son in the category of a servant. Now think of every time when we run to the father. Father, I haven't, I haven't upholded your laws. Father, I haven't done right by you. Guess what? He still says, son, I love you. Son, I still care for you. Son, you're still mine. The fact that he calls you son and daughter... You are still His. You are only not His when you choose not to be His. You hear me? It's a choice. When you choose that you don't want Jesus as your Father, He'll honour that. He'll respect that because that's what you want. Love hurts, but He's going to have to choose or be okay with the choices you make in your life. If you've got your Bibles, please turn with me to 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. 1 John 3, verses 1 and 2. Uh, for those of you that have these Bibles, uh, the black ones that were out in the foyer at the back, the page number for you is 1,169. 1,169. I'll give you time to turn there. I know we've got it on the screen. I know we've got it on the screen there. But let's um, get good practice in opening our books, hey? All right. So follow as I read. It says there in chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God therefore the world does not know us because it did not know him beloved now we are children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be but we know that when he is revealed we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is John John's letter there, it's not saying that, that we should be called servants of God. I understand that there is to be a reverence to God because of who He is. He is creator, He is a king, He is a Lord, He is, in the, he is the Alpha and Omega. But He calls us children. He calls us children. And as I, shared that, um, as I shared that definition from Google about what a family is, it's someone that lived together in a household. The fact that he calls you children, God is with you in your house. God is with you when you're at work. God is with you when you go to school, when you're walking down the road. You are his children, and because you are his, he is always with you. I'd be shouting Amen. Because he is always with you. Last verse, Romans chapter 8. Turn with me. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 to 17. Beautiful verse, this one. Now, you've got to understand the context that Paul is talking uh, to this church in Rome. Now, back then, you had the Jewish Christians, and then you had Gentiles who became Christians. Now, they would have conversations such as, hey, you weren't circumcised, so you're not a part of the covenant or the salvation that God can give you because you have to do this, this, and this, right? So Paul is constantly dealing with, uh, dealing with this situation in all of the churches because one side would say, we are the heirs of Abraham. We have kept this, this, and this. You, you Gentile. You've just come from the you know the godless um, nations who believe in all these false gods and and you need to be cleansed like us. This is the culture that Paul has to talk to, right? So in Romans chapter eight verses fourteen to seventeen, follow with me as I read fourteen to seventeen, and it says. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if Children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint, heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. We didn't receive a spirit to say, hey, you owe me something. We didn't receive a spirit that says, hey, you've got to keep this checklist to be a part of This kingdom. It says we receive the spirit of adoption. By whom we cry out, we have the privilege to cry out and to call the creator of the world, the galaxy, the universe. We have the privilege to call him Father. So as we celebrate Happy Father's Day, We've got a father up there that's, he's doing his job night in, night out, day in, day out, night in, night out. He doesn't rest. Psalms 121 says he never sleeps. He watches every footstep we take. And then he notices when we do slip. he helps us. That's the father we worship. That's the privilege that we have in calling a God, the God, our father. It says, for the spirit himself bears witness to our spirit. That's the spirit that keeps telling us. So if the spirit, if there is a different spirit that tells you, hey, you haven't done enough, my prayer for you is to pray that spirit away. You know, that that voice in, in your head that hears, hey, you're not good enough to be in the family of God. Hey, you haven't done enough to be recognized as a part of this family. That's a different voice. That's a different spirit because the Bible says clearly here that the spirit himself bears witness to our spirit. We are what? Servants of God? Children of God. Then is, because I love, I love the, the Jewish culture. When you're adopted, you're basically Blood. They don't make this differentiation, oh, he's my stepfather, oh, yeah, so-and-so's my stepdad, or I was, no, when you're adopted, your blood, your family, your, the, the Bible uses this illustration that we're grafted, farmers, I've never seen it done before, but when you graft like a plant or, or a branch back onto the vine, what, what's that like? Has anyone done that before? Anyone grafted? Don't don't be afraid to show your skills. You've done it. Isn't it beautiful how it mends together and that once it's mended together, it looks like it's the one plant? That's what God has done for us. We're grafted into his family. We're not, hey, my stepson, you got your, your... inheritance is limited compared to those who are born in the family that's not the way God works we are grafted into the family of God that's our, that's, that's our last word but we'll close with this illustration um, can I have some volunteers can you s- four lovely young people come up please can you blow up a balloon each please These are fresh balloons, they didn't just come out of my pocket. Yeah, come, come. You want to come up, Johnny? Just blow up these balloons for me. Can I have someone else? Someone. Yeah, come, come. Um, Emma, could you come up, please? Is that okay? Yeah. Um, Stu, come on up. Obed, can you do you mind joining us up here, please? Oh, can you pull up a blue? Maybe. All right, thank you. Oh, thank you, Steve. And one more. Joy. Yes, yes, Joy, come on up. Now in Ephesians, no, no, uh, oh, can, oh. okay, no worries, don't worry. <laughs> Save your oxygen. Okay, so in Ephesians and First Corinthians chapter twelve, they talk about the body of God, right? That some are right arm, some are left arms. Some people are left and right right leg, or a brain, or head, or a shoulder. There are different parts of the body, right? The right hand can't be its body all alone. So because they explain it that way, this is the part of the family that we, we are a part of. Oh, amazing. So we, we, we are a part of a family of God that is joined together in parts, right? And we can't do it alone. The mission that we do here in Wagga in preaching the gospel and reaching out to the lost is not done by just our, our pastor Bostock or... Or myself, or the eldership, or the pastoral team—it's not done by the deacons. It's not—it's not done by one part alone, right? So, um, I'm going to start with you first. So, could you just move over to the left for a bit? No, that way. Oh. There, that left. Other, other left. So, yeah, yeah. So, stand there. So, right. Let's say, Pastor Joy Bostock, uh, Joy Bloodworth. Here is looking after the church. Have you tied it? Oh, can you tie it, please? Yes, can you all tie it, please? We can't let that air out. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to get you to try and juggle it. I don't want you to hold it, I want you to juggle the balloon. Just juggle it up. Hit nice and high. Yeah, there you go. Not too high, just high enough. Because I don't want you tripping in a the step. There you go. So, pretty manageable, right, Joy? Easy to manage. Can I borrow your balloon? Can I borrow someone else's that's tied? Yep. Alright, Joey, can you juggle the two? Yep, yep, pretty managed, boy. Oh, he's doing well, watch out. <laughs> Don't want to blame the pastor, you know, because you get injured. So can I get you, Jaman, to help Joy juggle the balloons, right? Can I borrow two more? Yeah, two more. Right. Oh, Javon and Joy are doing a good job running the church here. And, and, you know, they're trusted with the gospel of seeking and saving the lost. Come on, guys. Keep it up. You see how hard it is for the body of God to function if it's just the right arm and the left arm? Right? Okay, all of you, could you just huddle over there? Yeah, yeah. Because this is a picture of church, right? And I want you to picture the balloons as newborns, right? Newborn babies who are in the faith, right? So these are people who have just met Jesus and they come into the church. Yes, you two little guesser. You're a very important part of the family of God. So now I want you to all try and juggle and try and keep the balloons up in the air together. Yep. All together, okay? So you, you can look out for each other. Make sure it doesn't touch the ground. Yep, awesome. But see how much easier it is to function together, right? All right, thank you guys. Round of applause for our little volunteers. All right, I'll get you to hold on to your balloons. You can play with it later. Hold on to yeah okay to me that's yours you can take it back to mum yeah all right that if I had thrown more balloons which I didn't want to because I, I, I didn't want to be responsible otherwise be answering to Brian had uh, had I thrown more balloons at joy um but could you imagine one person trying to juggle all those balloons by themselves? Could you imagine one person juggling or, or having to hold all the responsibility, re- responsibilities of having to seek and save the lost? Could you imagine one person having the Advent message that we have way on their shoulders alone to try and spread the good news to everyone else? Could you imagine that on one person? This is why pastors is, is just a gift. It's not a it's not a status, it's not a position. Although we, we see it as that because of the corporate world that we live in. If we're living by the Bible, all parts matters. All the different gifting that God has gifted us with matters. In seeking and saving the lost, it matters in the gospel. Because it doesn't just take the pastor. It doesn't just take the deacons or the deaconesses. It takes who? It takes all of us. All of us. And if you'd like to continue to be a part of that family and to help each other and to help seek and save the lost, please stand with me so we can pray. Praise God. Let us pray. Father God, we want to say thank you. Thank you that we have the privilege of being a part of your great family. That you did not chastise us or put us down for having made mistakes or neglect us, Lord Father. We thank you that your love encompasses us in such times. We thank you that when we are hurting, you still embrace us. We thank you that when we make mistakes, you are there to lend a hand to pick us up. We thank you, Father, that we are protected by such a father as you. And that's the family we want to be a part of. Lord, Father, there are those in our church, in our community who aren't a part of this family. I pray for them. I pray that their hearts are ready to meet you, to meet their Father for the first time and understand that their Father has always been watching over them so that they too can claim Jesus in their life and be a part of this family of God. I pray, Lord Father, for those that are in the house but are lost. I pray that I know sometimes we've grown up in the church and we've been attending church all our lives, but still haven't felt a part of the family. I pray for them, Lord. I pray that they are assured here in the word that the moment we accept Jesus, not by stature, not by knowledge, but by believing that he is the son and the creator, we are made family. We are made uh, or we are adopted into the family of God. I pray that you bless them that you keep them. I pray for our families and our marriages here in this room. I pray for our children, and I pray for our community, Lord. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen.